You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST, and right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. We'll talk some position battles after fall camp is now over. Ed Ogeron had his weekly visit on Off the Bench with Jacob Hester and T-Bob Bear. We'll let you hear what some of the coach had to say, some uh, injury updates to notable players and getting ready for UCLA. That's all coming. But let me briefly start with a couple of um, of uh, housekeeping issues here. LSU uh, announced earlier on a Tuesday morning uh, their, pro- their COVID protocols for Tiger Stadium this year. And the the big news that is going to get a lot of attention is that LSU is requiring proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 PCR test taken within 72 hours prior to entry in order to attend a game at Tiger Stadium. This was a, uh, a decision that the New Orleans Saints recently made as well. And now that LSU has made in a statement, LSU President uh, William Tate said, quote, As the flagship institution of the state of Louisiana, our foremost responsibility is to ensure the safety of our students, our supporters, and our community. While we are aware of the diverse perspectives across the nation regarding masks and vaccinations, we must take all reasonable measures to protect our campus and community, not only on game days, but long after guests have left Tiger Stadium. Um, So uh, the first home game for LSU is on September the 11th. Of course, a week from Saturday, LSU's in the Rose Bowl against UCLA, and then they're home against McNeese. So, you know, you're really cutting it close. I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen here um, with people who are not yet vaccinated if they choose to do so. And and I listen. I'm not here to to debate whether you should or shouldn't or or any of those things. But it it's just if you're looking for a uh, a comparable, the New Orleans Saints said they had fewer than 200 people request a refund after they announced their policy. So you were talking about a relatively minuscule amount of people that pushed back, and I would assume it's the same here. My my question will be if this policy will impact attendance at Tiger Stadium in any way. So um, masks are encouraged for children under five years old, required for children ages five to 11. And for vaccinated persons 12 and older, you do not need to wear a mask. It wouldn't be a requirement in Tiger Stadium for those that are vaccinated. So uh, LSU has released vaccination sites where you can get more information about it. But if you do plan to attend a game in Tiger Stadium this year, you will need to provide proof of vaccination or a negative PCR COVID test taken within 72 hours prior to entry. Now, the exact opposite thing is happening out in Los Angeles where seemingly every day UCLA is trying in earnest to give away tickets to the LSU game. Incredibly, uh, they've announced free uh, tickets for students and they also announced free tickets for any high school student that wishes to attend the game uh, in Southern California. And every high school student that takes advantage of it has the opportunity to buy a guest ticket for $30, and they could buy as many as eight guest tickets. There are tickets galore for this game for anyone who really wishes to attend the LSU-UCLA game, and it will be affordable for fans that want to attend. But one thing is certain, 
LSU fans are going en masse and UCLA is terrified that it's going to be more of a home field advantage for LSU than UCLA or more of a neutral site game for both than a home crowd for UCLA. But a week from Saturday, uh, we will get a first look at the Bruins this Saturday as they host um, Hawaii there at the Rose Bowl. Okay, we will hear from Ed Ogeron in just a quick second. Of course, really enjoy telling you about Sweat Block and more importantly, enjoying telling you all the success stories that people have had from Sweat Block. Listen, it's not a fun thing to talk about. It's even worse when you're sweating through your shirt for no reason. And and it's embarrassing, and especially this time of year in the summer when it's so hot outside. Uh, if you deal with sweat, use Sweat Block antiperspirant wipes. It, it's so easy. It's stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. So you apply it at night before bedtime, you go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, go about your day, and you don't have to worry about sweat guaranteed. It may sound too good to be true. That's why the proof is in the results. Try it, and Sweatblock is letting you try it for a discount. Go to sweatblock.com. That's sweatblock.com, and use the promo code LOCKED ON to save 20% off your order. Again, go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKED ON to save 20% off your order at sweatblock.com. And while you're perusing the interwebs, you might as well get on over to rockauto.com as well. Rock A-U-T-O, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Save yourself the time and the hassle and the money. Don't get in the car and drive to the local chain store hoping that they have the part that you need. From the comfort of your own home or on your mobile device, wherever you are, just punch in rockauto.com. Search every make and model, any part you could possibly need at a discounted price, and make sure when you get to check out, you're right. How did you when you're right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's at rockauto.com. So Ed Ogeron was on off the bench Tuesday, his normal slot there with Jacob Hester and T Bob Abair. And uh with now two weeks to go uh before the opener, here in these last two weeks, they fully turned their attention to UCLA and Ed Ogeron talked about what he's looking for here in these next two weeks. Yeah, I think the discontinuity is keep on putting stuff together. You know, we have everything in two minutes, four minutes, goal line, short quarters. I think just shoring up all those things, getting everything right for that we don't beat ourselves. As far as penal errors, as far as penalties, as far as misassignments. They are defensive job uh, so far in camp of uh, – Eliminating the mental error and the deep ball. We're not perfect yet, but we we made a big improvement in that area. Our pass rush has been phenomenal during camp. Obviously, on the other side, shoring up our protection. Uh, still learning what we can and what can't do with offensive players, who's the featured players. I think that's going to come as the season goes on. Now, the next two weeks, obviously, are UCLA. They are officially using this time now to prepare for the opener against the Bruins. And Ed Ogeron said they're already pretty far ahead in installing that game plan. Oh, yeah. We, we've already made a preliminary game plan. We've been a week with UCLA all season. So now everything's a little bit more intensive. You go back with a fine-tooth phone, so we're going to redo it all over again. But we still have a good idea of who they are and, and what they've done, the type of plays they've run. Obviously, there's going to be some change with some personnel and stuff like that. But we have the basics, basics of our game plan already now, in preparing for the opener, a big part of the way they structured last week was 
getting guys off their feet, getting guys healthy. Remember, they had just a no-contact practice on Thursday, only film on Friday. They held a lot of guys out of the scrimmage on Saturday in an effort to get healthy among them. You're starting cornerbacks, uh, Derek Stingley and Elias Ricks, and Ogeron gave an update on those two. Yeah, I think Eli, uh, it's going to be fine. It's soreness in an area we just uh, he couldn't practice uh, to be back today. Uh, Derek, we've been cautious with, uh, making sure that he's okay. I think that he should be back game week and should be uh, full speed. When you have established starters, there is no reason at all to rush them back. Make sure they're healthy. I think they're being very prudent with that and doing absolutely the right thing. Now with running backs, John Emery, Ty Davis-Price did not scrimmage on Saturday, and that left the door open for Josh Williams to be the leading rusher. And Ed Ogeron spoke about the former walk-on. You know, Kevin really likes yesterday. You know, uh, Max, I mean, uh, Iron was out. John was practicing. Josh was practicing. First team, he's good in protection. He can run the football. But I'm telling you what, those two running backs, and as you guys go, Monty and Corey are coming. I think it'll be hard to keep up off the field. We will elaborate a little more about running back. We get into position battles coming up here shortly. Uh, but the, with every passing day, and when those veterans aren't out there practicing, it just leaves the door open for other guys to impress, and it looks like Josh Williams has done that. One more from Ed Ogeron, who said he's feeling better uh, about his offensive line. You know, the left tackle, you know, Cam. Cam's coming along. Obviously, that that, that position has got to shore up. You know, Ed's going to be fine. Bale's going to be fine. We got Jason back here with the injury, Austin. I mean, we've, we've won a lot of games with those guys, and I feel, I feel good about those guys. You know, and and backing, backing those guys up, Anthony Bramford's going to come along. Charles has come along. Uh, we're going to have to find some backups in case those guys get hurt. As we have said all offseason, the issue is not the starting five. That unit is good enough to win games in the SEC. The question is, what about who's next? That's where you have a giant question mark. If anybody goes down or out for whatever reason, can you trust who's next? That's what they've got to build up right now. There are position battles galore, and we're going to delve into that with Brody Miller of The Athletic here in just a moment. We are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag. Football season is here, y'all. And remember, BetOnline has their half-million-dollar NFL mega contest. It's and And, by the way, the world's largest $200,000 NFL survival contest. It's all open right now at betonline.ag, betonline.ag. Sign up today and get a 100% welcome bonus. Use the promo code locked on again, one word, locked on to get your 100% welcome bonus. So many amazing deals right now as they're fired up to kick off football season at betonline.ag. Of course, you can make your opening day super promo bet, which is make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the opener between the Bucks and the Cowboys. If you lose, your wagers refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. So, so many ways to save and to play at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, betonline.ag. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wrapping up another edition of the Locked On LSU Podcast. Have a really good conversation with Brody Miller of The Athletic. Of course, LSU beat writer. And now that LSU's through fall camp and in a full-on UCLA prep, I wanted to go into some position battles with Brody, the things that are still the unknowns and maybe what we've learned so far through fall camp. And as we mentioned earlier, started by asking Brody about the running backs. I still think at the end of the day, you know, if you just take, you know, let's just say hypothetically they're both available. I still think the main two will be Davis Price and John Emery. I think I had one person tell me, yeah, Davis Price might get the, you know, the the bulk of just the main carries, but, you know, early in the year and all that kind of stuff. But they're, 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 Five has always been the John Emery of healthy because of his versatility, thinks he's actually really growing as a receiver, which you know as well as I did not have two years ago. They really do think, you know, he's gonna have that that big breakout year. But of course what you're getting at, and I agree with, is neither of those guys have had any, you know, durability dependence through these two, three years. And this this fall it's been almost every other week, one of them's banged up in some way. So you do have to be worried. The one positive, and it's never ideal, is just how, you know, Pretty fantastic, both these two freshmen have looked, Armani Goodwin and Corey Kiner. Goodwin, obviously, that speedy, shifty guy. Kiner, more of that 215-pound bulky guy. But yeah, you're not going to be psyched if you don't have your, your main two running backs out there on, on Saturday or something like that. But I, I, I guess I just, and I'm often naive on these things, but I at least don't think it's like a panic button hit for me just because of how good those freshmen have looked. But we'll see. Okay. Um, so you're buying that the freshmen could actually play a pretty key role on, on this team offensively? I think what I've always been told is it's still the two juniors have to let go. Like the freshmen are not like really not knocking either of them off. I guess I'm just saying it's at least a bonus, kind of like the Nussmeyer thing where it's like, yeah, LSU's in trouble if Max Johnson goes down, but I do think Gary Nussmeyer is talented enough to surprise some people. I guess that's where I'm at with those freshmen. I don't necessarily think they're knocking those juniors off or anything. Let's say on the offensive side, and move out to receiver where the given, of course, is Kayshawn Butte, and then... It seems as though you've got this incumbent in Jure Jenkins, who we haven't heard a ton about, but then here come the freshmen. And Brian Thomas was the guy early. We're hearing a lot about Malik Neighbors now. I mean, Brody, how many guys, and, and in what order do you realistically expect them to, to, to be involved to the tune of like you know, double-digit receptions during the course of the season, guys that could actually have an impact? Yeah, it's, it's the one spot where I just keep trying and trying and trying to get like a clearer picture from people, and, I, and it's been like it's just been really hard. I I, I think I tend to get this this vibe that it's going to be, let's say Dre, it's going to be one of the veterans in one spot, maybe like a Dre Jenkins, and one of the freshmen the other. That's just the kind of vibe I get. But again, I'm not predicting that. I really don't feel confident about that. But I do think Brian Thomas or Malik Neighbors will be a starter. I, I, it's just it's too often now. It's too consistent now. The buzz is too like this guy's a star, not just like this guy looks good. So I my I tend to just lean toward Dre Jenkins and Brian Thomas get that spot. But it's just so open because I do think it's tight. I do think Trey Palmer, even though like we've been hearing it for three years, is right there. I do think there's like a trust in a in a Coy Moore type, for example, or a John Trey Kirkland type. And you can't even rule out a, a Deion Smith. So. I do kind of think there will be, I'm going to say, I'm going to say six, at least, at least six, but probably seven guys really do see the field of receiver. Like they really do like that depth in a legitimate way. While running back, we always talk about is more of like a deep, but we don't know. I, I, I think they're going to play a lot of them, but who the starter is, I'm still struggling as much as the next guy, but I think one of those freshmen starts. 
What is it about Malik Neighbors that is getting so many people's attention? I, I don't know. I, I I think it's one. I don't have an amazing answer about like a specific thing necessarily. He's just kind of grabbing a lot of tough balls, so maybe that's it. It's it's funny though. I like to give credit where it's due. I, I know Billy Embody about a week before. You know, obviously on the show a good amount, but a week before camp started, I was talking to him about, and he's like, "Man, don't." don't leave out neighbors. And he's like, I think neighbors is going to be as good as any of these guys. And, and he's proven me wrong. He, he nailed that one, but I don't know exactly what his thing is. And, and it's, that's been the tr- toughest part. I'll be honest with you and transparent with you about sometimes doing this in a, in a pandemic time. It's just, it's hard to get some of those specifics, but I just know he's, he grabbed a lot of balls in Saturday scrimmage, a lot of tough jump 50, 50 ones. He's on Twitter at Brody, a Miller, the Make sure you read his stuff there. Um, one more on offense. We, we sort of neglect the the tight end spot, but that was such a key part of the 2019 offense with Thad Moss. Are are they good there with Cole Taylor and and, and I would assume Jack Besh there is the number two. Yeah, I, it's good. It's tough to say, but I think it's stable. You know, more stable than maybe it was last year. More stable than I personally thought it was. I don't know two months ago. Yeah, yeah I think I think Cole Taylor is guy number one and I think I think he's a guy who's not quite talked about enough you know he's put on some real weight he's just shy of 250 now and that he's filling out that six seven frame and and I remember DJ Mangus was saying this spring he's like hey like he has the mentality to be a real blocker like he's not afraid of it he needs to fill up the frame so I think that's a really big thing for him so he's a good blocker and we I think he's he's always been a good receiver so I still think he's a little underrated as much as I've been riding the best hype train as much as the next guy so yeah I think Besh is going to be a guy who almost hard to just call him just the tight end because i think he's just going to be moving around a lot and being a hybrid but he practices with the tight end so yeah i, I think they're stable there and and this one i always throw with a grain of salt but ed ogeron just keeps saying again and again do not not like do not forget jack mashburn like that guy is good enough to see the field so i, I want to at least give him credit where it's due but yeah i think they're stable there i i just don't know what the upside is yet i want to flip over to the other side of the ball um let's just let's start at linebacker then go to safety what is, what is the deal with Mike Jones? And maybe a better question is, do you really believe Jared Small is going to be a, a week one starter against UCLA? I don't think Jared Small will be a week one starter unless you go with the, the classic Ogeron thing of, you know, four guys are starters in two spots. But I, I think I think there's four guys right now that are pretty – they are going to see the field. They are going to rotate. So maybe the starter thing is just semantics where, you know, I think – Damone Clark is pretty clearly, in my opinion, one of those guys right now. And I think Micah Baskerville and, and Bug Strong are probably pretty close for whoever's going to take that second spot. I think it's it's pretty it's pretty tight there. And I you know I think the last person I asked that they think it's strong, but wouldn't be shocked at all if it's Baskerville. But then Jared Small is, is right there. Like he I, I will be surprised if he does not see a solid, you know, just chunk of snaps. I think he's gonna play. The thing with Mike Jones is so tough is I think he's going to see the field because of his coverage. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a third down, you know, kind of option there as a coverage guy. I don't know, but he's struggling with just, and Ojan had that great quote, of course, where he said, Hey, you know, he's been used to playing nickel all this time. And all of a sudden you're going up on the line against 350 pound Anthony Bradford, you know, it's just an adjustment, but yeah, I just think he's struggling with that part of it, of just getting used to the, the real physicality and all that. I mean, he had to gain a ton of weight just to get ready for this. And I, I just, I don't think he's like a, it's like, I don't think you should call him like a bust or anything. Cause I think he's going to see the field. He's going to have value. And I bet he comes around some point in the season. I don't think he's bad. I just think that 
that transition is a little harder than I think a lot of people would guess. Is I mean, it, it's, it feels a lot. I've said this here on the show. I don't know if you agree. I'll get your take. It feels like what happened last year with Jabril Cox. He, he came to LSU with a very similar side in mind. And it just didn't work out with him playing inside. But when he played outside, we saw him dynamic and in intercepting passes. And that's ultimately what he's going to do really well, I think, in Dallas. But it, it almost sounds like Mike Jones is, is trying to, to be something that maybe he's not. The comp is totally there. I, I think obviously similar skill sets, obviously obviously similar kind of pedigrees to some extent. But I think the slight difference is, I mean, Cox, even though like inside wasn't his strength, that was still clearly the most trusted linebacker at times and stuff like that, where I think Jones is not quite even in that that tier yet. But I, I think there's, it's clearly a parallel for sure. All right. What about its safety? If they had to start the season today, who are the two starters back there? I think right right this second, I think the starters are Jay Ward and Major Burns. You know, I think I think Major Burns he's a, he's a name who like they keep saying he's the starter and people keep confirming they think he's probably the guy right now, but no one's ever like told me much about him other that I've heard he's you know, he's vocal, got good movement skills, dependable, that kind of stuff. And I think the interesting thing there would be if you start those two, it's probably two more coverage safeties, which, you know, probably a plus after last year. But I've heard Jordan Tolls is in the mix for sure, and he's a guy who'd give you a far bigger, stronger, you know, run-stopping safety to mix in there. So maybe that's a little bit. And then you can't rule out, you know, uh, Derek Davis as well, too. But I think right now it's, it's Burns and Ward. Are they... Did, all right, safety was bad last year. Like, objectively, they were just yeah, very bad. Bad, bad, yeah. Bad. <laughs> so you've got the two guys you just mentioned who are, who are new at that position this year, and one of them is new to the team. And then after that, you've got Todd Harrison. You mentioned Jordan Tolles, and you bring in Sage Ryan. Like, are they better? Like, are they... Not just with the two starters, but deep, and, and do they trust the position right now? Yeah, I think the way I always put it's it's honestly kind of like my theme for this season in a lot of ways is like, I don't know if that room has the upside that, you know, some others might that you want there, but I do think, you know, I think we're on the same, like, it's more stable. It's more, you can trust it a little more. I know, you know, they know you can trust Jay Ward and, and especially, you know, Major Burns. Major Burns doesn't have some of the physical skills of like some other guys who have been around, but but they know they can they can trust him and things like that. So I think so much of the season, so much of like my broken record thing is if you can just remove the incompetency on some of that stuff at the back end, that fixes, I don't know, I don't want to get crazy here, but like eight points a game if you really look at some of the mistakes last year. So So I think that's such a focus at times, and I do think they at least are accomplishing that. That'll do it for us here on another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to Locked on LSU and subscribe to the new Locked on Bets podcast, daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and the lock of the day. It's the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. Until tomorrow, this is Locked on LSU, your team every day.